Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another doughy episode of Taste of Meaning. Oh You're God. joined by your dough boys today, <laughs> Charlie and Martine. This um, is worse than I thought. It, it, yeah, it, it's very cringing. But and on since our guest today has her own bakery, we wanted to talk about our favorite pastries, our favorite baked goods, favorite desserts, and hence the, the dough puns at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Or should I say dope puns? <laughs> That's a little bit better. I'll, I'll give hey. you at least maybe that one. <laughs> you know, you you miss every shot you don't take. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you take a lot of shots apparently. So, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> the listeners do not need to hear about this. You're not an, maybe, maybe not an efficient shooter. Maybe you're just gonna fire up a bunch of buckets and just hope it goes in. <laughs> hey, that's why they call him Russell Westbrook. Yes, yes. <laughs> shout out Russell Westbrook. <laughs> yeah, no, shout out to Russ. We love him. And... He's listening. He's more than welcome on the podcast. And also, I don't mean the brick, the Russell Westbrook myself personally. I think you're a top three point guard in my opinion, but tis that tis the T. Um, Shale, are you want me to go first for favorite? Yes. <laughs> All right. Favorite baked goods is a part of our appetizer of the week. When it comes to pastries growing up, I wasn't a huge fan of cake. Still am not a huge fan of cake. I would rather have a pie or a muffin over like a cupcake or cake themselves. But Why I will is that? I think it's a frosting. I think that's a common denominator. I don't like this. I don't like how sweet it mm. is. Mm-hmm. But I will say my favorite cake that my Thea used to make growing up, and she'll make this for my birthday every year. My mom will make it too, or my grandmother, is an upside down pineapple cake. Ooh. And there is no frosting on that. It's just bread, glazed, fruit, done. Simple. And that was always my go-to. Mm. Okay. Okay. How about you? Um, well, um, in terms of like the homemade part of it, I feel like I don't get enough of, I never got enough of that growing up, probably like homemade baked goods or pastries or anything like that. Um, when I think of one of my favorite sort of pastries or baked goods, I think of, um, pie or cheesecake. And for me, like, I love anything that has like sort of fruit related to Mm -hmm. it um i just like the freshness and how it goes with whatever the um baked good is and it's funny because i was actually talking to my coworkers today and like one of my coworkers who will be a upcoming guest of ours actually now that you think about it um, was like i hate anything with like fruit and (gasps) i think think they said like fruit and um dessert and so i was like interesting and so i'm like quite the opposite i love when fruit is mixed in with some sort of dessert so to bury the lead, uh, for me, um, I really love banana cream cheesecake uh, okay. from Cheesecake Factory. Like, okay. I, I haven't found like a good banana cream cheesecake that matches theirs. Uh, I don't know; it's just pretty well balanced. I like, I like it has like that good balance of just like fruity um, and also cheesy uh, from the cheesecake. I mean, a close one would probably, I guess, another cheesecake would be their their pumpkin um, cheesecake. Okay, so, yeah. Shout out to Darren, because my next um, option, if I didn't have to have a cake, would be cookies. 100% cookies. That's the only dessert I would eat day in, day out. I think that contributed to my freshman 30 back in college <laughs> was the unlimited cookies from the um, the cafeteria. It was just chef's kiss. And I would always make a bunch of like cookie ice cream sandwiches. Oh, <laughs> I had a really good cookie recently. Uh-huh. Um, I think it might have been homemade, actually, uh-huh. uh, from one of my wife's coworkers. I think it was, and it was funny because she 
she told me like, oh, I think it's just from Mrs. Fields. And I was like, oh, like this was an amazing cookie. I, I got to go get it from Mrs. Fields. And then I later found out she's like, no, it was actually like a coworker of me. I was like, damn it. I can't just readily go out and get this. <laughs> they got to start selling. Them. I know. Just, I know. Just order like, a dozen every week. When you have a really good cookie, like it, I don't know. There, there's a good feeling with that. It, it, like for you, it is, is a good cookie. What's the texture look like? Oh, a good cookie is thick so not flat and it's like when you bite into it it's chewy in the inside it's like melty Mm -hmm. and it's like um not crunchy on the outside but like it's like a good like like you can bite into it and it's like it has a good texture and density but it's not extremely soft Hmm. okay so i I guess i have very similar a fine middle i guess (laughs) yeah 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 no you and i have very similar like um likes in terms of cookie texture wait did we agree on something it's very rare <laughs> it is very rare. So I'm, i want to take this dub i want to take this time to appreciate us agreeing for once <laughs> we never agree so this is amazing we're just gonna end the podcast here <laughs> <laughs> that's it we made it <laughs> we made it after what four seasons we finally did it we accomplished what we set out to do <laughs> <laughs> just to be compatible on one thing <laughs> <laughs> right oh my god well hey i hope this snippet guy went excited thinking about dessert we'll be back with our guest shortly after this break we are now joined by our guest eva she is the owner and lead chef for full belly bakery here in oakland california it is a black owned women's business and we are happy to have her on so i'll pass over to charlie to introduce our guest yeah yeah so i'm happy to be get connected with um, eva and it's actually my first time meeting her so like this is gonna be a blast just getting to know her as you are getting to know her too so um, of course uh, we were connected to her through chase as you all know uh who chases and so yeah i want to you know really pitch her over to eva to one thank her for being here and then have her introduce herself awesome well thanks you both for having me um as Martine said, I'm Eva, uh, owner and executive pastry chef for Full Belly Bakery. Um, we found, well, originally, technically, I started my business in New Orleans oh, wow. <laughs> back Whoa. in like, 2017 um, and ended up moving back from New Orleans back to Oakland, which is where I'm originally from, um, to kind of re-found my business. Um from there, I've done everything from morning, like muffins and pastries, to cake pops, to full-size cakes. <laughs> so Full Belly has definitely evolved over the years. Um, I think the reason why I originally started um, was just to kind of communicate my love through food. Um, that's, my husband probably won't like this word, but I, my love language is like cooking or like pastries um so that's what I did for my friends in college that's kind of where it started um but now I just really love making pastries that make people happy um and that's just truly my inspiration (laughs) for a lot of things oh that's so awesome was your culinary school the in Norlands is that why you were down there no, so I went to undergrad. I got my degree in marketing and advertising. Same. Um, yeah, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I'm not clearly working in that field anymore. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I worked as like event planning slash catering um, for about three years. It didn't really have my heart. Um, 
and I just started baking more as like a side hobby um and then people were like oh this is really good you should sell it which is what I did in New Orleans for a little bit um and yeah so when I started moved back to Oakland I was technically still running my business I was completely self-taught um and then I decided to go to pastry school to kind of learn just more um because I was learning off of YouTube which is a great resource <laughs> but you learn a, a lot more technical things when you actually go to school I've always been intimidated by baking like it's one of like the things that scares me because like there's so much like at least what I've heard there's so much sort of precision um you know being able to sort of follow you know the recipe of course if you make your own recipe like there's sort of some precision in that too and measurements um so I mean I guess if you were to say you know, as, as learning baking and, and, and going into that, like, do you, do you feel like it, it could be challenging for someone to learn or do you feel like cooking is more difficult? Well, it's interesting. Oftentimes I say that I bake for a living, but I cook to survive oh. um, <laughs> because I'm not a good savory chef. Um, that's not what I'm interested in. And to me, it doesn't have enough structure, which is probably why I like baking. I like baking because there is a formula for everything. Um, I know that if I mix flour, sugar, eggs, whatever the recipe is for to make cake, that I'm going to end up with a cake. And if I don't follow that recipe, I'm going to end up probably with a biscuit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so for me, I really like it um, because of that reason. But I, I've had conversations, like you said, where people are like, oh no, I don't like baking. It's, it's too, I, I guess the word I use would be structured, but mm -hmm. yeah. So. Got it. Okay. Okay. One thing I find really interesting about baking that I, I agree with Charlie is very intimidating was I was watching this Netflix show called the chef show with John Favreau and Roy, Roy Chang. And they okay. went, it's Roy Chang, right? I believe he's the chef for like the lead owner mm. regardless. Um, one of the episodes, they went to visit a local pastry shop here in LA, and they talked about the science behind like baking, where like if you, the ingredients you mix them, if you put too much of one thing, it becomes more like gelatin, more gummy versus mm -hmm. something else where it makes it more dry. And I felt like that is so, like back to choice point, you have to be so precise with what you're putting in there or else you're going to get something completely different. <laughs> like it makes or breaks what you're eating. Yeah. I mean, you do have to know like your what what you're adding will do to what mm -hmm. your like what your end result is because like but, a chemical reaction right pretty much yeah but there's there's like categories right so for me for a cake I know that if I add more flour it's going to be dry more dry but if I add more eggs more butter more mayonnaise more sour cream that it's going to be more wet um so it's like knowing what ingredients do what, and then you can, you know, you try something out and if you taste it, you're like, oh, that's too dry. I need to add more of the wet ingredients. Okay. I like that. So I know. <laughs> Thank you for dumbing it down because that makes more sense. <laughs> but I was like, I was like watching this. I was like, what in the world is happening? Clearly we're noobs when it comes to baking. Oh yeah. <laughs> none of us are ever self-proclaimed food experts we just appreciate <laughs> culture and we want to eat food <laughs> yeah yeah like, like like i told like uh these two before we hopped on i was like i appreciate those 
who practice their craft of cooking and baking because like I admire it so much and I just, I know I can't do it myself. Um, so I'm really curious. Um, I'm sure we'll get later on into sort of like what inspired you, but I think one of the questions that immediately popped in my mind right now is like, what's been your favorite thing that you've made and what's been something that you've sold that's been really like people really loved? Um, I will immediately off the top of my head because we recently just had added this to the menu. Um, I made shortbread cookie sandwiches um, and I was playing around with doing a new buttercream. Um, and so I ended up making a essentially like a toasted buttercream, which involves. I apologize. I'm going to nerd out <laughs> for a second. No, go for but it. The buttercream we use for all of our cakes is Italian meringue buttercream. It's made with um, egg whites, um, a sugar syrup, uh, and butter. And you put the egg whites into a mixing bowl. You make a sugar syrup. You have to cook it to about 242 degrees. You pour while the eggs whites are mixing you pour the sugar into the egg whites which then cooks the egg whites and makes a meringue um and so one of the things i was testing out was actually toasting the meringue because the meringue is essentially like an unstable marshmallow um and i didn't know it was going to happen and i tried it and it was delicious um <laughs> so i decided to put it in between shortbread cookies and took it to a pop-up last week just to see and see how it went um and i was astounded by the amount of people who actually emailed me and were like this was the best cookie that i've ever had in my wow. life wow um so sometimes things happen like that i'm still trying to work on how we can incorporate it into our cake menu mm. but yeah just sometimes playing around in the kitchen with things um that you do on a regular basis and trying to see them from a different perspective mm. i love that i love that what, what would you say like that's probably one of the the most favorite thing you've made or would there be something else um that's really a really hard question i know that's why i ask it <laughs> um i will say that's probably my favorite right now oh geez i'm trying to think through like everything that we've done which is a lot um oh i would say maybe oh, i don't know that's a really <laughs> hard question can i think about it and then if yeah I, oh yeah yeah me, <laughs> if it comes back up go Te for it. teaser for our listeners you'll get to hear what her favorite thing she's made at the end <laughs> so stick around in the um, meantime, the chef from the show, his name is Roy Choi, to correct myself oh, that's in right, case that's I right. said something yeah. else. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, continue, Charlie. Yeah. So I was going to say, like, um, let's get into it a little bit. Um, I mean, what what would you say now it, it has it's inspired you to to go into what you're doing? Um, and I, I wonder if some of that may tie into sort of your, your food topic that you wanted to bring up, too. Yeah. Um, so I'm sorry, you said what was inspiration? Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, and you mean like, I guess for full belly in general, correct? Um, I mean, just in general, like what, what sort of kicked off your sort of like baking endeavor, you know, oh. as a whole, yeah. 
Um, so, I mean, my family aren't big bakers, but whenever they do make something, usually it's like around the holiday times. Um, so my grandmother makes sweet potato pie. My mom makes sweet potato pie. It's like our kind of family tradition. Um, we, during the holidays, do make a, like a traditional sweet, sweet potato pie. I have put like my own kind of twist on it. Um, but we also, like I play around with sweet potato in general. Um, so we have done sweet potato cheesecake. Um, I've taken a bass cheesecake and made it sweet potato. Um, so if you're not familiar with what a bass cheesecake is, it's a, uh, has a Spanish origin. And so it's cooked at about 400 degrees so that the top of the cheesecake is burnt, but the inside is all nice and gooey and creamy. Um, and oftentimes, which is surprising to me, but I think in the U.S., because I have been places that work a lot with sweet potato, um, but I don't see it as often here. Like I do with like ube, um, but not so much with like traditional yam sweet potatoes. Um, so I try my best to work that in um, because it's a big staple in the black community. Yeah, you bring up a good point. Like I, I mentioned earlier, like I've, I've never had a sweet potato pie before. Um, I would imagine it tastes like pretty good and texture wise pretty good. And you got me on that, that sweet potato cheesecake. That sounds fire. Like I absolutely love cheesecake. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, to me, it's the more savory version of like what people would know would be pumpkin. Mm -hmm. um, because to me personally, pumpkin doesn't really have a taste like nobody's ever said hey I'm gonna go eat pumpkin right um <laughs> people eat sweet potatoes like by themselves um especially the way that we cook them I actually cook them so that they actually get a little bit caramelized so it brings out the flavor um and that just helps we still add the same same spices you would find typically in like pumpkin spice um but definitely the sweet potato adds another like elevated element to it yeah so that, that you said like like sweet potato is is something that you know you, like you had a lot growing up and then also like it's it's you know part of your like your culture and com, um, community so I don't know like can you speak more about that just kind of what that was like for you just like growing up with it and and being connected with it yeah um for me, <laughs> so my family has this tradition um, because I am the eldest cousin on my dad's side. Um, and my whenever my grandmother makes subito pie, typically around Thanksgiving, we when we all come together, I have two, no, I have, yeah, two uncles um, and then my father. And we will fight over who would like get sweet potato pie and we would fight so bad that my grandmother like had to make like more pie um <laughs> but it got to the point where we were like arguing over who would get more of the pie that she had to make everybody their individual pie oh, wow. oh my God. <laughs> so 
there were Thanksgiving times where I would, cause they live in Michigan. So I have to travel to them. So she would literally make a whole pie and just be like, so are you going to eat? I like, I, <laughs> there were points where I regretted it. Cause sometimes I'm like, I can't finish this whole pie before I leave in three days. <laughs> <laughs> but that it like to this, to this day, if she makes it like, she can't just make one. Mm. Cause we, yeah, it will cause a literal, literally a fight in our family. Um, but just the love from her that gets put into making it because she doesn't have to at this point she is almost 90 years old <laughs> she doesn't need to make sweet potato pie but it's a tradition in our family um and definitely something that I look forward to every holiday I wish sweet potato pie was a regular thing personally <laughs> I love that because like you really, um, with the story you shared right now, it really shows like how food can unite people and really bring back those memories, especially like you said, like every holiday season, you look forward to this. It can be a huge thing in the family negatively, but sometimes it ends up in a good, <laughs> positive way. But like, that's like, what's really cool about food, like back to what we we're mentioning before, like you're the, you're the front person where you're actually getting your hands into creating this, like creating art for us to eat. And then you have people on the other side who's like appreciating it. And that's like what one way of connecting. And then like the memories you share from it and the experiences and the conversations just like sparks an even like more fulfilling uh, moment. But if that's, yeah. yeah, yeah, no, go for it. I was gonna make a transition. No, you go. I was, I was gonna say that I was talking to one of my staff about this earlier that we make wedding cakes. Mm -hmm. um, yes. And I I obviously talk with the couple prior to making their wedding cake, but on the actual day, typically we drop off like prior to the ceremony and then we're done um, because usually the venue or whomever is responsible for, you know, bringing the cake out and serving the cake. Um, so I don't usually get to see like the whole event come together. Um, but what's been funny is that some of my wedding clients who have been married now for like a year or two are now having kids. <laughs> so I've gotten emails recently that's like, hey, we miss you. You did our wedding cake. We absolutely loved it. But now we're pregnant and we want you to do our <laughs> baby shower cake. So it's it's a cool like, you know, full circle moment for me because I was part of when they got married and which is very significant. Mm -hmm. um and then now I get to make their cake for their first child which is hopefully just as significant as <laughs> their yeah. wedding yeah and that's like it's kind of like a generational thing like you're there at the beginning you'll be there for the baby shatter gender reveal whatever it may be you'll be there for the kid's first birthday so on and so forth it's just kind of shows that you get to see them grow up and they get to see you grow up yeah and it's yeah. all through like the beauty of food yeah yeah. I, I do have to ask about the wedding cake part. So the, like you, you literally had my mind just go whoop, like back to like when I was like doing like wedding cake test uh, tasting and whatnot. Like, do you have like a sort of a memorable story just about like going through that whole um, working with the couple on like deciding on a wedding cake and, and going through that process? Yeah. Um, so typically what happens for us is someone will submit an inquiry um, they'll provide information of like their date, their time, all the logistical things, but also, you know, what design they're looking for. 
um, things for us right now, it's a little hard to do like sit down tastings, mm -hmm. but I know COVID kind of messed that up too. Um, so oftentimes we do like take home tastings mm -hmm. that is followed up with, you know, phone call or zoom meeting, whatever the extent, but, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting because for weddings, sometimes people have their own kind of style that they want to have. Um, but oftentimes people are just traditional. Like we just want a white cake with flowers and I'm like, cool, that's easy. Um, but I have done everything from the traditional to I've done a black wedding cake. Oh. um I did a Disney themed wedding cake that was like subtly Disney like it wasn't full-on you know fondant and all that mm -hmm. stuff um but honestly we don't really work with fondant um so yeah it's to me it's great because it's always something new um typically and finding ways for the couple to get you know their own unique experience out of something that is just cake that some that people are going to eat. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's well put actually. Like I remember when we were going through our process, it was like, we, we were trying to select even the different types of cakes for each layer. Um, like we were trying to find something that like we both, we both enjoyed. And I think we had like just a different style almost for each layer. Uh, we were just doing too much now that I think about it. <laughs> like the, the person who was baking, it was probably like, why? Um, and then the, the, the second memory that I had was, um, so we had our like day ceremony and then we had like a, our reception later on in the evening. And there was like a little bit of a time period in between there. So then when our cake had arrived at the um the reception place we had gotten there my wife and i like probably like an hour before the, the ceremony the ceremony was going to start and our coordinator goes up to us she's like okay don't panic and we're like uh oh <laughs> what happened <laughs> so later we found out that like she's like yeah we we were able to save your cake um it just it started tipping over on one side um because i think that day was hot too that's why Mm -hmm. yeah and I was just like okay don't freak out we're fine <laughs> and like when literally when we saw it it wasn't that bad like you, they just kind of turned it so that, like the part that was falling over it wasn't facing the audience and we were just we were fine after that but <laughs> it's just one of those things where it's like it, it could be so mm, temperamental like if you're working with like cakes and like weddings and stuff like that because you have to almost like time it to like based off of other people's schedules too yeah it it really depends like on the venue because I've done venues where there's no refrigeration on site. And mm -hmm. so it's like, okay, we have to come in and we have to drop it like in maybe like a 30 minute window and then get out. Right. Right. <laughs> um, and, but I've also done some where it's like, yeah, just drop it off at two and the wedding's not till nine. And <laughs> we're like, okay. Um, I still don't, I still to this day get nervous transporting cakes um that is probably the most nerve-wracking situation um especially when you have a tight window or especially when it's hot um because I've had to, the farthest I've driven a cake I think was Brentwood and I'm pretty sure it was hot and I drove in my car with like two jackets on AC on <laughs> like as low as it would go and I'm just like mirror mirror was on the cake and I'm just like dodging this, the bumps and turns and I'm like, just let's get there in one piece. 
Wait, when you say Brentwood, do you mean Los Angeles? No, no, no. Okay. I'm sorry. Uh, there's a Brentwood <laughs> yeah. in, in Concord, right? I don't know. Oh, maybe. I think oh, that's a okay. Brentwood. Okay, no, she's probably right. We, we're, we're just yeah, not familiar we're, with we're not the rest of <laughs> no, we, All we know is Southern California. <laughs> we know LA, and that's the best we're going to get. <laughs> um, yeah, that I'm. I'm going to look it up. So yeah, I, I want to know the the dis like the distance. Like, how many miles did you drive? <laughs> you know, there is a Brentwood. Okay. And let's see, it's roughly it's a, like an hour drive. Oh my God! You're transporting a cake an hour away. Yeah, that is yeah. nerve wracking as heck. I mean, dude. realistically, you have like the buttercream doesn't get soft right away. It okay. does start getting soft though when it's really warm. Yeah. Um. So it's just kind of like I've learned tricks. Like I've traveled with a cake in a cooler with ice packs before. Um. But that's more nerve wracking to me because I can't see the cake. Fair. And so I'm like, I don't know. I could get to the place and the cake could be completely one, like on its side. And I'm like, <laughs> it's so much stress. I've driven in the trunk of my car with a cake before. Like my, I have a SUV, so I'm not like the trunk of an actual car. <laughs> but yeah, there was, we had a wedding in Piedmont and it was another hot day. And I think that for me, this was technically my first three-tiered cake and so I was super nervous and my husband drove my car and I'm literally sitting in the back like with the cake um trying to make sure it's not gonna shift over and I'm, I think my husband was the wrong person to drive the car because I'm like stop hitting all the bumps like <laughs> we're like yelling to each other it was a mess but it made made it there in one piece <laughs> and now you have this story to tell forever <laughs> I know and actually, Charlie, I was going to say, ironically, for my wedding, we didn't have a cake. Um, we did cheesecake, oh, mainly okay. because I was going to make our wedding cake and I got talked out of it. Um, rightfully so, because yes, it would have been a lot. Mm -hmm. um, also, mind you, my husband and I got married in New Orleans because that's where he's from. Mm -hmm. So I would have had to, like, transport everything there. Anyway, um, but the day of our wedding so I had booked I think like eight cheesecakes at this local bakery um and they didn't offer delivery so I got my dad to go and pick them up like I like we didn't our wedding was at four I scheduled the cheesecakes for 11 so that my dad could go get them and then have enough time to like come to the venue and do whatever else and while me and all the bridesmaids are like getting ready I get a call from my dad and he's like, Hey, I'm at the bakery. Um, how many cheesecakes did you order? And I'm like, I mind you, this was probably booked at least three, four months prior to the wedding. So I'm like, I don't know. It's probably like, I don't know, eight, nine cheesecakes. He's like, well, they have one. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, excuse me? I was like, what are you talking about? Like, mind you, I paid like $500 for these cheesecakes. Yeah. Um, and he's like, well, like, you know, here, here, talk to the guy. So I'm on the phone and the guy's like, yeah, like how many cheesecakes do you order? I'm like eight, like a enough for 150 people. And 
he's like, oh, well, we thought it was a mistake. And I was like, so, but nobody decided to right. call. And, and I dropped this money for what? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I didn't get a refund. Nobody has called me or emailed me. Like, this has been booked for months. Right. And he's like, well, how many do you need? And I was like, what I ordered. <laughs> and so, mind you, I'm still on the phone. And one of my bridesmaids got my... um wedding planner and my wedding planner comes in and she's like why are you on the phone with the bakery I'm like because I messed up my order <laughs> but she like snatches my phone from me and she ended up like talking to them I don't know what happened we end up with cheesecake so I okay, think okay. very last minute Ooh. they got everything together Ooh. but yeah that was my <laughs> Yeah, and they delivered them because he was like well yeah just come back and get them I was like sir we need to get me <laughs> <laughs> oh wed wedding stories are like once you have one you have a wedding story like martine wait till you get married like okay. it, you'll have something that'll happen you're like i will yeah. never forget this <laughs> oh, I, I want this stress <laughs> you're gonna well, get it regardless it, if you want it <laughs> yeah it's something will go wrong like and what i found out is that i found out things like after the fact that went wrong Ooh, that nobody yes. will tell you that mm -hmm, went wrong mm -hmm. but then you'll find out about them after the fact 100 percent. okay yes. before we transition i need to ask would you rather have known as it was happening what went wrong or to your point afterwards after the fact when it's already over um like if you had a choice like to find out in that moment shit's going down or to be like you know what let me focus on myself tell me tomorrow I think personally, there were, at least for me, there was nothing that really went wrong that like ruined the whole wedding. Mm -hmm. um, we had an issue with our venue, which I did find out about, which I actually wish I wouldn't have known because uh. I freaked out. <laughs> I freaked out about that one. Like most people at the wedding don't even probably know about this because I was still too stressed to talk about it even at, like the few days after. Um, but our wedding was like canceled for the span of probably like four or five hours, <laughs> not because of my husband and I, but because of like the venue what? Um, and some issue that they had with my event planner um, and my event planner tried desperately, like, and it's no way her fault. She tried desperately to get in contact with my mom and not tell me, mm. but she couldn't reach my mom. And so oh. she called me because she was like, this is like death con what like yeah whatever the scale is on death con we're at the top <laughs> <laughs> um and i was at dinner with my grandparents and my husband and my dad and i'm like i'm like hey like what's up and she's like i'm just gonna tell you this and i don't want to tell you <laughs> so yeah that was the extreme so that i would prefer not to know yeah. um because, yeah, that was stressful. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean it's canceled? People are coming into town. Right. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Like, I could imagine how, like, if if you if you weren't stressed, I, I can't imagine you not being stressed with the whole cheesecake situation and the venue. I'm like, those are two big things when it comes to a wedding. Yeah. And so, yeah. Um, so. I have had, I've worked a wedding, though, where... Mm -hmm fabulous family but the bride actually got COVID like three days prior oh. to the wedding and so it was too soon to cancel like the wedding venue and things like that um and I felt so bad for her like I I if I had, could have taken her COVID I probably 
because it's like they like things you know they already have to go forward with the wedding um and so they she actually came to the wedding and they did the whole ceremony but i don't think she even stayed for the reception right um and some people because it was i think covert for like the most part main majority was over but like people were still kind of worried about it so like some guests didn't come but some guests did and i was just like dang that's a horrible way to spend your wedding and the thing is like wedding venues they're they're not they're not accommodating as much like they're not just gonna be like oh you have to cancel sure we'll just give you your money back and like you know we'll figure it out like they most places may not refund people um yeah yeah i think though because it was so soon that the caterer like the caterer had already bought stuff Mm -hmm. like and like there's there's a certain window where i could see people might say oh well we can just reschedule it which Mm -hmm. i totally would have done um but it like what what can you do like two days before the wedding yeah, <laughs> when everything's yeah. already bought and paid for and... right right yeah yeah i had a friend actually my wife's friend who we went to their wedding because you like a year or two ago that it was during a time when like wildfires were just kind of running rampant um throughout california and their wedding was supposed to be kind of like in wine country i think temecula area and they had literally gotten a call i think the evening before the wedding and was like hey we're your venue and we actually have to cancel because of the wildfires and they're like what and so they were literally scrambling all night just to find anywhere that could accommodate that luckily they found a place that actually worked out pretty well but it's just like the the amount of stress that that people would have to go through if something like that were to happen because you know you don't expect it yeah yeah well, with that said, let's <laughs> our, our wedding episode. Now that we can transition from that, <laughs> um, let's dive into the um, guest deep dive. I know we had a question that we wrote down prior to us recording, and I will, I'll pass it to you to talk about. But it to at the topic is advocating for your own business and yourself. You want to take the take the reins? Yeah. Um, so I guess a little bit of what we're talking about is just the fact that as a small business, um, small business owner, right? I, on top of the daily, you know, answering emails and running the business, and especially for food business, business, buying food and food uh, costs and all of those things. Lately, I found myself having to be an advocate for my business. Um, You know, because as we're growing, more people are finding out about us. We do larger scale events um, and work with larger corporations. Um, And while most people obviously have good intentions, um, sometimes the we might do an event and the larger business doesn't always communicate with the smaller business. Um, and not because they want to hide something or be, uh, malicious, but oftentimes I don't think that larger corporations or, um, event organizers often think about the repercussions that it has on smaller businesses. Um, and to be honest, it can be as simple as 
for the example, like farmer's market, just changing a location of a booth, like can drastically affect our sales for a day because I'll have customers say, oh, we couldn't find you or, hey, you know, were you at the market? And we're like, yeah, but we, they just moved us. Um, because as much as I can post on social media and try to tell our customers or communicate, you know, what's going on, not everybody sees that. Um, and I've, I've had to have that conversation like, hey, like I understand for you, this seems like just a small thing. Oh yeah, we just moved you down here, like a few booths. For us, it has repercussions of, hey, we might not sell everything that we came to sell. We may come home with food and then, then that means food waste. Um, or, you know, if I have somebody else working the event, if they're not actively working, then I'm losing money because I'm paying them to be there. Um, so it's, it's frustrating. I, I understand it sometimes. And I, you know, I do like to at least educate people. Um, but I just sometimes wish that people organizing events would communicate with us. Um, and it, you know, over communication is never a bad thing at all. Um, and I, I almost, especially working in event planning, and weddings. <laughs> I just think that it's sometimes better to over communicate and there not be an issue um, or we have a chance to fix an issue than get there and have to, you know, scramble together to come up with a solution in the moment. For anyone who is listening, what would you say would be the best way to avoid any of this miscommunication? Would it just be simply just communicate and be you know, reasonable or accommodating, or do you have anything else in mind? Um, from what I've learned, and a lot of the things that we have in place now are from my own personal experiences, um, but off the bat, I just try to ask as many questions as possible. Um, who's going to be there? How many people? Where are we going to be set up? What do I need to bring? Um, are there dietary restrictions? Like I try to ask everything to prepare myself. Obviously there's things that I can't ask um, because I just may not have enough information to ask those questions. But for example, one of the things that we've, I've decided to implement now is that if we're gonna be doing a pop-up, um, depending, it, it varies. Cause sometimes I don't have the capacity to do this, but if, if I do, I often will say, hey, if we're going to be selling on site, um, we need to have like a minimum, let's say. So let's say that minimum is $1,000. If we're going to come to your company and we're going to sell, um, we need to have a guaranteed minimum of $1,000. If we meet that minimum, like by selling, great. Like that's awesome. But if we don't, then I'm going to ask your company to be responsible for the remainder amount. Um, just because I've had experiences where someone might say, yeah, there's going to be 500 people at this event. And I'm like, cool. I know I'm not going to prep for 500 people, but I may prep for a hundred, but if only 25 walk in the door, then I'm still left with food and I've wasted my time. I've wasted, you know, resources and things like that. So it just helps protect us a little bit more, um, because just like the, 
LA is like the Bay Area of one day it could be completely sunny and then on Saturday it could rain. <laughs> yeah. So. No, I mean, you're bringing up something so important because especially for small businesses, like you almost have to sort of think about it in a way where you're like, how can I, yes, be able to have this business, but also be able to sustain it and be able to protect ourselves from things that could happen that is not going to go in our favor as opposed to sort of larger corporations or larger businesses where they can eat some of that if it doesn't work, but small businesses, they, they can't be taking a lot of those big risks. Um, especially, you know, if it's going to be more impactful and detrimental if something happens. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I, when I first started my business, I was not as out outgoing as I am now. Um, and I've had to become more outgoing because of the fact that I have to be able to advocate for us. Um, and because you're going to have to have tough conversations with people. Like I, I've, I've had tough um, conversations with organizers for tech companies. I've had, you know, other small local businesses around Oakland, but it's like, if I don't speak up, then they're not going to understand that they might have done something that's detrimental um, because yes, I might have a bad experience, but maybe I can save another small business in the future where now this company has had this experience, they've gotten this feedback and then moving forward, they can have other vendors be successful. Um, and it doesn't mean that our partnership has to, has to end. Um, but you know, I do want to work with people who are receptive to that feedback and actively, you know, want to make a change and, and get better. I'm really happy we're having this conversation because I never realized that from that perspective, because I've been to a lot of like company events where they have like a full on catering or they have someone come and serve whether it be like desserts or coffee. And I never realized that if they don't serve a certain amount, it's all that's going to waste afterwards. Yeah. Um, that has kind of led me to what we do in our bakery now mm -hmm. um, because we bake a lot of cakes and all of our cakes are round. So when we cut those round circles, we have all these corners that are left over. Um, and for a while I was throwing them away, but I've always felt so bad because I'm like, I don't know what to do with this, but I also like, I can't keep it mm -hmm. um, or I can't sell it. Um, so we have decided to actually save all, all of our cake scraps and then they get repurposed into bread pudding. Um, and so recently we have been donating it, it um, to the East Oakland Collective. That's awesome. Uh, so one of the reasons I picked them though is they don't just do, well, first off we're high school. I found out the owner's high school's alums <laughs> with me, but that's not why I picked it. I found that after the fact. Um, but it's a black and woman owned business or nonprofit. Um, and they, instead of just doing food banks where people come to them, they actually go out and they distribute it to the places that need it the most. I love that. You're making sure that there's no, like you're effectively eliminating waste and putting that towards a good cause. And I think that's wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Um, yeah, I mean, right. I think you brought up some amazing 
amazing things just in terms of one the small business aspect of it also what's been of meaning to you especially when it comes to advocating for your small business um anything else you'd want to add just about yourself your your mission you know what what you see kind of going forward for um full belly bakery yeah um well i want to definitely continue doing our whole kind of bread pudding bread pudding initiative um but as of right now, I am in the process of opening my own storefront, um, which is a journey in itself. <laughs> um, and so I just, my main goal is just to continue to grow so that we can continue sharing desserts that make everyone happy, um, filling bellies, which is our name, uh, and being able to give back to our community in you know, some capacity. I love that. We're going to take a short break and we'll be back with our food for thought. We are back for our food for thought section. And what we wanted to talk about was supporting small businesses to make an impact in your community. I will start with my take. I think for one, like we've always been so accustomed to seeing like these big commercials on TV, whether it be like big advertisements or whether it be like you're on your phone and you're going through something and you happen to follow like stumble, stumble across like, oh, there's a new Starbucks near you, right? Something super simple. What I really love is when people go out of their way to really show appreciation for those families, mom and pop shops, mom and pop shops, small business trying to make a name for themselves that really puts love and effort into their craft. Because I really believe like food is an art to a lot, to everybody, right? It can be fast art, which is like fast food, or it can be something that you put so many efforts behind the counter, right? Would it be going to school for it? Would it be practicing day in, day out for these recipes? And I love the power of social media that brings attention to these small businesses. And it allows people like us as, you know, consumers to go out of our way to, to eat it. So I do think that small businesses deserve that love because you're really impacting directly the owner versus like a corporation. Yeah, I'm pretty sure if McDonald's doesn't sell one burger one day, that's not going to hurt them versus like if a... Um, local Mexican restaurant doesn't fit 10 people that's good that could be like make or break so I think the impact is larger and it really shows that we can like contribute by just sitting our butts down and having a meal yeah yeah and I, I would say sometimes too it's you know it's great that the news covers certain you know, businesses, but not everybody gets news coverage. Um, so sometimes going out and like doing a deep dive into Yelp or Google and just seeing what other businesses are even around your area, because to be honest, you'll be surprised sometimes that there might be somebody who's your neighbor who's running a whole food business. <laughs> yeah, 100%. And I even I had an experience recently where I, I went to go try um, pupusas in in um, an area called uh, Pomona, uh, right by where I live. And it was like, my only view of pupusa was more, was, was more commercialized or, or it, it, it just, it didn't feel sort of authentic. And once I went there, I was like, no, like this, this is what it's about. Like, it, it's about being able to go to where like, that's what they specialize in. And that's, that's something that they, they've probably made this for years upon years and maybe even as part of like a family recipe and it's like stuff like that where 
it, it, it becomes more a part of the community. It becomes part of like the community supports it. And also that if others find out about it, it, it just kind of helps to grow like more, more reach for them and grows just more of like encouragement for them uh, of just wanting to continue um, as opposed to before, maybe just not even being known as much. And so, yeah, I mean, just hearing our conversation today, I think the impact for small businesses is so much greater if, if we are able to support them more. Yeah. And I mean, and obviously purchasing things are great too, but, you know, sharing mm-hmm. to your friends and your family or on social media, like, Hey, I purchased from this business. It's great. Go support them because oftentimes people don't understand that word of mouth is typically the most powerful form that, that actually brings business in for mm-hmm. us. Um, because Yelp is great, but you know, you never know who's trolling on Yelp and who's not. Um, so that like personal referral and telling your friends and everybody is usually better. And we get great customers that way too. Cause if we like you, then <laughs> yeah. we'll probably like your friends. <laughs> yeah. No, hundred percent. I feel like at the end of the day, having a homemade cookie is better than anything you'll find in the stores. Mm-hmm. Oh, hundred mm-hmm. percent. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that says a lot for most foods, having someone make at home or someone who who has been making it for years, just serve you. It's like top notch, probably the best quality you'll mm-hmm. get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually in my bio on our website. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I read it. That's why I said it. Because <laughs> <laughs> I forget the exact wording, but it's basically like, if you're tired of grocery store cakes, come to us. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Which I am tired of grocery store cake. So thank you. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> You're welcome. Oh, well, I mean, one, I'm going to definitely say thank you so much, Eva, for, for being on with us today, for sharing your story, for being able to really like, you know, speak to exactly what what's a meaning to you, which is advocating for, you know, what you're about and, and really sort of, you know, putting that reach out there more for, for our listeners. So, yeah, I mean, I can't wait to be able to try um, some of, some of the um, cakes, baked goods that, that you all have. And of course, I mean, to our listeners, um, they're waiting to hear, you know, what is <laughs> the favorite thing that, that you've made that you've, you've really like have enjoyed. So anyone who knows me knows that I love passion fruits, oh. which I don't know why I didn't think about this when you first asked me. but we or I made a passion fruit tart that had a coconut whipped cream and slow roasted balsamic strawberries and I think that was my favorite thing that we've made because sometimes because I make it so much and I'm tasting in the kitchen I don't really bring things home but I Mm. definitely think I brought one of those home and I ate it there you go there you go. Well, hey, I mean, we could shut it down from there. Like that, that's it right there. <laughs> thank you so, <laughs> thank you so much for sharing that. And um, definitely, uh, we'll be able to put your um, your links into our um, podcast episodes so folks can check you out as well. Folks can support you. So, yeah, I want to thank you again for for being our guest on here, and um, I want to thank our listeners for yeah for always being loyal listeners. So. <laughs> We'll be with you all soon for another episode of Taste and Meaning. Um, until then, of course, take care of yourselves. Most importantly, take care of others. See y'all. Check out Full Belly Bakery in Oakland. <laughs>